Well, hello everyone. How are you? My name is Zach Scro. I'm from Neighborhood Church, and I am going to be bringing you our second message from the Fruit of the Spirit sermon series, which will be about love. Now, if you're participating in a house church, please use the Sunday sermon guide as well as the weekly devotionals so that uh, what you learn can, today can be reinforced throughout the week and can help uh, to develop that fruit of the Spirit in your life and help you in your spiritual journey. And so if you're not part of a house church and watching either through our Facebook page or our YouTube channel, in the body of the Facebook post in the comment section, we are going to be including the some reflection uh, and discussion questions, even uh, some Bible study discussion questions uh, for your benefit if you want to go a little bit deeper into what you hear today. And so with that, love. What is love? Seemingly a question asked by a lot of people. And if you recall the famous recording artist Hathaway, you guys all know Hathaway, asked this very question with the title of their mega hit song in 1993, What is Love? Consequently, subsequently answering, Baby Don't Hurt Me. A few years later, we see Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan further define love for us in Night at the Roxbury, where they use this famous song and the head bop, which I'm not going to do, to pursue love, at least for us in the audience, as something being uh, comedically romantic. And now most of you know I don't do jokes very well, but I just couldn't resist that one. And for those of you that don't have any idea what I'm talking about, just Google Night at the Roxbury. But in all seriousness, seriousness love is a, a sloppy word, a hard word for us to define because we use it in so many uh, unintended ways that it wasn't originally intended for. We say that, that we love a car or that we love a shirt and we use it in kind of this materialistic way. We associate that word love with sports teams like I love the Cleveland Browns. Um, we can use it in a job, in, in a career and say that I love this career. I love doing this, or I love being a teacher, uh, or even with regards to what we're watching or even reading a book, like I love that TV show. And culturally, the word love has been co-opted to mean something that is almost exclusively related to our feelings and emotions, or even our lusts and desires. And the problem with this is that using love in these unintended ways allows us to change our love as often as our feelings and emotions and lusts and desires change. And although we should have an emotional connection with love, our emotions and our feelings should be involved in our love, it's way more than just being hooked on a feeling. I'm pausing that dramatic pause just so you realize it's another intended way for me to joke. And if you have no idea, only a few of you will get it. Google hooked on a feeling. Again, terrible jokes. I'm not the best with them. So getting back to the message, if loving God 
uh, with all of who we are and loving our neighbor as ourself was uh, the most simplest way possible that we can follow Jesus. And if Paul lists love in the preeminent first position in the fruit of the in the fruit of the spirit, it serves us that we should at least know what love is, how it can be developed and grow inside of us, and how we can exhibit that love towards God and towards others. And so everything in the Bible can be said to revolve around this one word, love. Billy Graham, a famous evangelist, in responding to a letter about reading the Bible says this, the Bible is God's love letter to us, telling us not only that he loves us, but showing us what he has done to demonstrate his love. Love is the very essence of what it means to be human. Those are my words, not Graham's words. Love or the lack thereof will determine who we are as a human being. Love or the lack thereof is at the root of how we change and how we grow. Love or the lack thereof will determine how we are as parents or even how we work in the workforce in the the world in which we live. Love or the lack thereof is quite literally the basis for just about everything we are and do in this world. And so what is love? I assure you, it's not baby don't hurt me uh, because sometimes love does hurt. But true love, true Christian love, true Jesus love is this. It's the sacrificial giving of yourself for the benefit of others. I'm gonna say it again. Love, true love, true Jesus love is the sacrificial giving of yourself for the benefit of others. And that other is not just humanity. That other also includes God. Love is a desire to be with somebody you take pleasure in. Love is God giving up his son, sacrificing him to the gods of this world so that we could be with him. Love is the son of God permanently becoming a human being for all eternity so that humanity can permanently be with God in this endless overflowing expression of love. And to so to see this definition of love Uh, I just gave kind of work out, work itself out in the everyday, see itself played out in the everyday. I want to take a brief look at Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. So it's Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. If you want to turn there with me, feel free. I'll give you just another, another couple seconds to turn there, but I will read it for you. And then we're going to look at two ways from this story of how love is expressed in the everyday. So picking up in Luke 7, verses 36 through 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, likely prostitution, uh, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him. I don't really see that Simon asked him a question. He was only thinking it. Kind of neat right there. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Jesus goes on. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. 
One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. As her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So in this story, I can see at least two ways how this woman expressed her, her love towards Jesus. And the first is the sacrificial giving of herself, uh, the sacrificial, the sacrificing, the sacrifice of humility. She vulnerably let it all hang out for the world to see. And this woman, who was likely a prostitute, humbly entered the dinner and knelt before Jesus' feet to honor him. Um, and, I, and I want to call, go back, if you've got your Bibles open, look back at verse 44 where Jesus kindly rebukes Simon for not giving him water to clean his feet. Feet were dirty back in those days. They wore sandals and walked through the streets where animals regularly did their business. The streets were not necessarily cleaned by the city sanitation department. Uh, the streets were a mess. And so they were walking and their feet were all the time either stumbling around in dirt or mud. And so feet were dirty and it uh, calls, uh, calls to the text where Jesus says to Simon, you didn't give me any water to clean my feet before entering the house because feet always needed cleaned before people entered the house. Otherwise, they would bring their dirt and grime into that house. And so it was commonplace for this, and Simon, for whatever reason, just missed it. And so this woman, entering in from the crowd that, that likely was looking on at this dinner, humbled, humbled herself in front of everyone and took a chance knowing she'd be ridiculed because she was a woman of disrepute. And she wept so much that her tears gave enough water to clean the feet of Jesus, to clean off all the dirt and the grime and the mud and the animal excrement that could have been on it. She cleaned those feet and then and then she dried those feet and wiped the feet off, likely getting some of that animal uh, excrement on her hair and that dirt on her hair. She was humbling herself. She was lovingly submitting herself and all of who she was to Jesus at that point. And here's the thing. Here's something that we don't often look at, and that's Jesus showed her his love for her by allowing her, a sinful woman, a woman of disrepute, a, a prostitute, allow her to do that to his feet. Something that was completely unheard of 
in her day. And so the, the, it was the sacrifice of humility that she was showing in love that day. And then secondly, the, the other aspect is that there's a, a financial sacrifice, but this was not just uh, any financial sacrifice. This alabaster jar of perfume and pouring it over his feet was was a uh, sacrifice of great magnitude. This wasn't just some Calvin Klein or Dior perfume. Uh, in those days, this what's represented by the alabaster jar uh, was perfume that was worth a year's salary. And this woman maybe even had all of her familial wealth tied up in that alabaster jar. And she willingly, humbly broke it open and lavishly anointed Jesus's feet, making his feet smell better and look better after the cleaning. And so not only did Jesus experience a, a physical benefit from what she did with his feet, he also, Jesus, believe it or not, Jesus received a, a spiritual and even emotional benefit because as we read this same story in Mark's gospel, we come to find out that Jesus looks at the anointing of his feet by this woman as an anointing for his burial. So in closing, as you break into your house churches to discuss this story amongst the, the many other things that you discuss, pay specific attention to this question. What would cause someone to do this? To specifically give herself away as well as her entire financially financial security. What would cause someone to do it? And I'm going to give you a hint. I'm going to give you a hint to the answer, and it's found in verses, verse 47. I'll read it for you. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Remember, if we want the fruit of the Spirit to grow and develop in our lives, that fruit must be connected through the tree to that tree's roots. And those roots must be drawing nourishment from rich soil so that the fruit can grow. That nourishment comes from none other than Jesus. He is the rich soil of our lives that our roots and our tree and our fruit need to be tied into in order for the fruit of the Spirit, in this case specifically love, to grow in our lives. Thank you all, and as always, may you go in the grace and peace and mercy of Jesus Christ.